0: Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn.
1: Welcome back to the sports complex on a Thursday afternoon on the show. Today, we will talk more about the big 12 championship game happening this weekend out in Arlington. We'll give you more about Oklahoma state, more about Texas and what they need to do to be prepared to get ready for this game. Stark spoke to the media today. We'll play some of that audio as well. Patrick's big fat poll today. Got a couple of for you coming at you in just a few minutes. Also some sound from hooking up with Ian B. Texas basketball returns to action tonight against Texas State. We'll get you ready for that game. A big game for Dallas as they start five games against teams above 500. And I know Seattle's not the best, but we'll get into that. That's a big one as well. Talk a little more NFL, a little NBA. The NBA in-season tournament is coming up. We'll get into that as well. All coming up on the show today here on the Hornet. And, of course, your text messages. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 512-447-3776 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Send those texts in whatever you guys want to talk about. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. So whatever you guys want to talk about, we'll try and get we'll try and answer your questions or what you want to, your comments and what you want the discussion to be about. We try and respond to everybody here on the show and read everybody's text here on the Sports Complex. All right. So let's get in to some talk about Texas versus Oklahoma State. And more importantly, I think in this game, because we can go over and I'll talk a little bit about, you know, some keys that Texas have to look out for. And we'll talk a little bit about what Texas may want to look, you know, may want to have be ready for in some plans. And we know about the three high three down. We know Ollie Gordon's a really good running back, but there's some other things too. So there's some stuff Texas needs to look at, but in the reality Texas is going into t- in this game on Saturday they're feeling good after a 57 to 7 win over Texas Tech they played well uh, in Ames Iowa winning the game in Ames Iowa without really much struggle you know it wasn't a, a blowout but it wasn't a big struggle game so that's something that you you know you can rest your head on but Texas you don't want to get too much Full of yourself and and celebrate and pat yourself on the back that Devondre Sweat wins Defensive Player of the Year and Byron Murphy's Defensive Lineman of the Year and you know you get all these first team players and you know you may be able to pat yourself a little bit more on the back and start looking forward and worry about those night games and worry about was Florida State versus Louisville what's going to happen in that game is Alabama Georgia what's going to happen in that game and and what's going to happen can will pull off the biggest upset in Big Ten history and I know it's not really but it would be a huge upset. So if you look at those, and you know what, Texas is going to be looking around. They're going to be watching the game on Friday night and seeing what's happening with Oregon and Washington. Can you stay focused to not only perform at a level good enough to beat Oklahoma State, because we all know beating Oklahoma State is not good enough anymore. You're not close enough to that top four that just a win gets you into that top four. You have to win with conviction. I don't think you have to do. The two thousand five national champ or the two thousand five Big Twelve Championship. I was looking back at that one and I was trying to remember if I was right on that one. It's a game that I remember because I remember watching it. It was backstage at the Rolling Stones in Memphis. I was driving a truck for Los Lonely Boys and they were opening up for the Rolling Stones. And so I remember watching it backstage at the Rolling Stones and not believing and being like, are these different scores in Memphis that we won that game seventy to three? That's what you love to see. Texas over Colorado 70-3. You love to see Texas beat Oklahoma State 70-3 and really put little doubt in anybody's mind who the best one-loss team in the country is. So you love to see that. I don't think that's the case. I think we, we talked yesterday on the show about what is a, what's, the, what's the number you've got to get to and what's the, the number margin of victory that you need to have to win this game. And I think there's a little bit of nuance in that as well because – I think a Texas offense, a Texas defense that is able to hold Oklahoma State under 10 is going to show a lot, of number, a lot of people that this may be one of the best defenses in college football, if not the best, what they're playing like now. If they're able to do that with the injuries in the secondary with a questionable Ryan Watts, and you know to see if they're able to come out and play at that level there. And then, if you're able to put up another 50 point game on the offense, and I'm not saying those both have to happen, but if you are able to put up another 45, 50 points on offense, well, then this is one of the most electric offensive teams, and now they're starting to hit their stride of finding Xavier Worthy and find J T. Sanders and find Jordan Whittington and finding Adonai Mitchell, using C J. Baxter and Jaden Blue and that that whole running back room, Keelan Robinson in there. You know, if you can get to a place where Texas is able to show off. Extreme offense or extreme defense, I think that's another part. Even if you don't get to the number that we're all about saying, is with 25 to 30 is where you'd like to be to really feel like you had that big win. And I know it, the, the number right now is 15 and a half, so it expands it. If the cover line is 15 and a half, if Vegas says that, then a statement win is well over 16 points, and that's why we're getting to the number about 25 to 30. But if you say it's 21 to 56, well, okay. Well, that's a that's a huge win. Or if you and and the offense looks dominant. Or if you say it's three to thirty, well, that's a twenty seven point win, and your defense is amazing. So I think there's different ways to get there. And if it's a you know, but if you get to a you know twenty to thirty five win, I don't know if that is going to be something to give you any style points because your defense wasn't great, your offense wasn't great, and you're a good team. You cover, you know, you almost cover the spread depending on what the spread will be, and you know, we could say thirty six, whatever. Make the numbers work. But it's not going to give you that same power of a dominant defense or a dominant offense. That's what was so special about the Texas Tech game is you put up 50-plus points and you held them to under 10. And you really showed in a conference where we're looking at an Oregon where the offense, we know, and we know what Bo Nix is doing. We know what that team can do offensively, but can they hold uh, you know, a Georgia or a Michigan or a Texas or or an, an Alabama or a, you know anybody, are they going to be able to hold Washington? We'll see that on Friday night. So I think that's more the question of can you get a defense that looks elite or an offense that looks elite, But this is on Texas to show up and be prepared uh, for the game. So Texas is going to have to continue to stay in their in the right frame of mind. Sark was asked about how do you keep the right mentality? While you're seeing success that these players, a lot of them have never seen, they haven't seen at the college level. They may have seen it in high school, but they haven't gotten to that college level. How do you keep the mentality and keep them face the right way throughout an entire season and then into a Big Twelve championship? Here's what Sark had to say about keeping the right mentality.
2: Well, I, I, what I what we try to do with our guys is is really you know, compartmentalize some things. We have a lot of fun as a team, you know, and we've got coaches that uh, do a great job of, of keeping it loose. I, I try to, like I said, I try to have great relationships with our players and, and let them know the human side of me. So I have fun with our guys too, but I also think we train them in training camp, how to have the right mental intensity, the right, the right focus uh, in meetings when we're talking football in walkthroughs when we're we're going through football in practice, when we're going through football um, and then have the ability to step away from it too, and uh, enjoy one another and have fun with one another. You know, I I, I referenced this before, like when we have a night game on Friday nights, we don't meet Friday night. We go to the movies together. And I know that sounds a little kind of maybe old school or corny. And some of the movies are good and some of them aren't very good. I'll be honest (laughs) with you. But in the end, just hearing the conversations on the bus about the movie. Nobody's talking about, you know, how we're going to cover the kickoff or how we're going to block this, that, whatever we go do that Saturday morning in the hotel. And so I think having those moments to, to make sure that they're, that they're loose enough, uh, is big, but I also think that, you know, we, we really, really try to impress upon them. Like you can play loose and you can play fast and you can play physical when you know what to do. And so our our players have gained confidence in, man, when I know what to do, I can be a little bit more loose because I can't wait for that opportunity to present itself because I know how I'm going to play the play. And so um, our guys have have bought into that. And then I think they continue to pick each other up to give each other confidence that they're that they're more than capable to play to play at a high level. Which are some good stuff in that,
1: which is one. This is a week like any other where you're getting into the game week. And we can play a clip from a man Joe Cook asked the question about what was the preparation about Oklahoma State? We'll play that just for you in just a minute. But when you talk about this team progressing throughout the season, part of it, you don't want to amp up onto them the pressure. To make it a breaking point, you want to give them that little bit of space and, and maintain the normality of we've done this every week and you've seen the results that we're 11 and one and we're, we're playing really good football. So we have to continue to kind of do the same things. But that's when you ask a coach before a, you know, one of the biggest games of his career as a head coach, at least to what are you going to do? you know how do you keep your team and he says well we'll go to the movies on Friday night and now he won't because it'll be in a day game so it'll be early game so they won't be able to do the same way but kind of that theory of this isn't just a game week for us and we know the the importance of it but we're going to go into it with the same mindset and we trust the leadership on our team to do the heavy lifting of letting everybody else know and letting the younger guys know where to be prepared and Learning from the you know the older guys' mistakes and say you know we thought that we were here in this game we thought we were going to be able to compete and we didn't come into it with the right attitude and knowing that this needs to be a four quarter game and this needs to be a statement game and to have that energy from the beginning to not allow Oklahoma State to even get off get off the ground and never let them get started that's the kind of mentality but Sark saying our side of it is to keep showing them that we're a family and things are going well and we're having a good time and things are going well. The team is going to be able to pick that up. I thought another interesting thing he mentioned today was he was asked about what was one of the most uh, improved areas of the team. If he could name one thing that is one of the most improved areas of the team, what would it be? And his answer answer is pretty interesting, but it's also pretty true, and you can see the difference of it, partially his play calling, and partially is the performance of this side. Here's Sark when he was asked about what was the most improved area of the team as they've gone through the season.
2: You know, to me, an area where the second half of the season we've really improved, our return game has really come to life. I think you've seen Xavier, his punt returning ability the second half of the season. He he returns one for a touchdown. He has one call back that might be a questionable call. Um, he's created some explosive returns there. Our kickoff return unit has really taken a step and we're, we're seeing that with, with Keelan, you know, with, with his touchdown return last week, but that's not just because of those guys the returners. It's what those other players are doing. And a lot of those players on those return units are freshmen, they're sophomores, they're first and second year players. And so their development if using the proper fundamentals, the proper techniques, understanding the schemes, understanding the checks, you know, before the ball snapped uh, their ability to finish those plays at a high level. To me, that shows me a lot of growth in our team that we're improving along the way. Uh, It's easy to look at, you know, the quarterback, right. Or the running back, those types of things. But to me, if you want to look at how does your team growing, Look at our kick coverage unit. You look at look at our pump protections and things of that nature. Have we improved the second half of the season? Because that's generally a lot of younger players, and that means they're growing and they're improving along the way.
1: So that's a great answer. What's something that has improved throughout the season? Now, partially, this is because Sark is not going for it on fourth down as much and letting the special teams play a bigger role in this in this Texas team by having the field goals and Bert Auburn. Being able to kick those field goals and Sandburn, being able to put teams further back by allowing them to be a part of the game. That's partly his play calling, that he's allowing them more in the second half of the season and not, you know, kind of giving up on the, not fully giving up, but realizing that the fourth down, going for it over and over again and playing that super aggressive isn't what this team is this season. And so you have to move on from it. He's been able to do that pretty well and you've seen the, the results. Now you throw into that what it does on the other side when you're not giving them field position, what it does for this defense to then allow uh, punt returns that Xavier Worthy is doing great on. And then you throw in, okay, well, we still have going to have a kick return or two in this game, and Keelan Robinson's able to go out and handle that. But the defense is playing better because the special teams is allowing them to have more of a field so that Ben do not break is not starting at the 45-50-yard line. That Ben but do not break defense is starting at the 15 now. And when you say you got to go t- you got to go 85 90 yards on this Texas team, that's a lot harder goal than all you have to do is get 30 yards and you're in field goal range and now the entire shift of the defense has to change. All of those things, it really does tell you that Texas is becoming a more full team because now the special teams is connecting and making it a more cohesive team between the offense to the defense. And that whole we're all helping each other and we're all symbiotic thing that Sark talked about so much at the beginning of the season, because he was going forward on fourth down, he wasn't allowing the special teams to be there. And, yes, we can say Baylor, they muffed the punts, and there's, there's been points where the special teams wasn't where it needed to be. But it's another piece of why you believe Texas can compete at a high level in this game. Another interesting thing I just mentioned, Joe Cook uh, asked Sark uh, about the prep for OK State because Texas played on a Friday – they could sit and watch games on Saturday, and Sark could watch games, and so of course he's watching BYU-OK State. He's watching that game. He'll make a joke of a game, because first of all, he's a BYU alum, so he wants to watch that, and then he's also seeing, all right, who are we going to play? And this game matters, so he, we know he's watching, so the prep for this week is a little different because normally you have your Saturday, and you're kind of getting back, and you're getting over the game the night before, the, you know, your Saturday, you're playing. So you're not necessarily watching the other games, and you don't immediately have that turnaround of getting things prepped. Also, when it's OK State, if you're playing K-State or you're playing Oklahoma, which were the two other likely scenarios, you already have a lot of stuff kind of put out on them. And now you have to get more stuff, and you have to find newer stuff, what they're doing. But you have a lot of prep because you've already played them once. OK State, so you haven't played. So, so, he, so Joe Cook asked Sark, how did what was the schedule? What was the timeline of the schedule for OK State? Where you basically, as soon as that game's done, you can get to work. Here's what Sark had to say.
2: Um, first of all, jokingly, that was my alma mater, so I was a little crushed when when that fumble when that fumble did occur because I I was hopeful they could get bowl eligible. I love Kalani. Uh, that was that was a heck of a game and in, in some tough conditions the second thing i thought was was he down was it a fumble <laughs> and then and then when it all shook out uh it was it was that so not not to dodge your question so here we go it just went right into what a normal game week would look like you know i guess we were a little bit fortunate in that we had the extra day uh from a staff perspective to start that preparation side of it um you know i think kind of the behind the scenes you have a decent idea of who you might be playing um, and so a lot of the people that do the, a lot of the front end work for us, you know, we had played Oklahoma already. We had, we had played Kansas state relatively recently. Um, so a lot of kind of the back end work or the front end work of it was was we were prepping in case it was Oklahoma State, so when the staff could come in and start that process, things would be ready to go from a from a cut ups and a breakdown standpoint. And then we just went to work, you know, like like we would any other game week, and and you know, getting our scouting reports ready, getting our personnel's ready of of who they are, individual players, and then started a game plan. And and our week's kind of gone from that point forward like a normal week.
1: So they've got their game plan going. They're starting to figure it out, but it's an interesting thought of them being able to get into it. Basically starting Saturday night, you're already starting on this game plan and you do have a head start now getting prepared for this game. Whereas okay. State understands they're playing. They know they're playing Texas. If they win, they win. They still have to go, you know finish up and and get you know wrap up that game and everything from there Texas is done with all that and ready to go they get the extra day that gets them into a normal practice week and gets them a step ahead in this game i mentioned we we're going to talk a little bit I, I text lines open as well see some of you guys on there we'll get to that in a minute 512-447-3776 uh, a couple of things that i've been looking at kind of looking at Oklahoma state and looking at their games uh, that they lost We talked a little bit about that yesterday. And then a game that they won. And I kind of want to judge Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So to look at this is the best team they played. This is a team that beat us. How did Oklahoma State get that game and get the win uh, against Oklahoma? And one of the things they did, which is something that could affect Texas. So I don't know if Mike Gundy is going to go with this if Mike Gundy is that's what he's really going to push for in this kind of game, but it was something that Texas has struggled with throughout this season. They threw the ball a lot short. They didn't try and blow the roof off of it. They just threw the ball short and picked up first downs. They were able to keep moving the football. They actually threw the ball more than they rushed it in that game, which is not normally what they do with Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman's not a great quarterback, So they ran the ball 38 times with Ollie, but Alan Bowman comes in, throws 28 for 42, gets 334 yards, only averaging eight yards a pass. So he's throwing and they're getting yards after catch. That's something Texas is going to have to look out for in this game. Also, in that OU game, OU turned the ball over three times. Uh, Texas uh, OSU only had one in that game. So that's, you know, you've got to hold on to the ball. That's an easy. Take we know that every single week, but something you're going to have to watch out for in this game is those short passes when they start to load up the line for Texas and when they start to try and bring pressure against Alan Bowman. Yet another thing, Oklahoma got zero sacks on Oklahoma State and on Alan Bowman in that game. You're going to have to get pressure and grit at home, but they threw a lot of short passes to kind of alleviate that pressure. And when Oklahoma brought pressure, they were able to get the ball out pretty quick and get those little short four- or five-yard passes and just keep moving the ball forward. And that's something that Oklahoma State did against Oklahoma that they may try and use against Texas. Because we know that, you know, picking Texas is that bend but don't break, but if you throw in a really good running back and you throw in his ability to get four yards of carry – get 3 4 yards of carry and then if you're passing on top of those and not having the incompletions and having three or four more yards of carry a pass play and getting the ball out not allowing them to disrupt you in the backfield not allowing time for the pressure to get home that's something that could be a problem for Texas the defensive line especially up the middle needs to help out in that Byron Murphy has been great this year about knocking passes down where Tavondre Sweat is getting pressure inside. Byron Murphy has been really, really good about getting those big paws up and knocking the ball down. He's going to need to do that as well because if you're throwing those short passes and trying to go over the middle and the defensive line is getting pressure in and you're still trying to throw that, that could be a problem. And if he's moving out of the pocket, you trust Allen Bowman less and less. So that's something that Texas needs to look out for in this game. Uh, And the safeties and the communication needs to be on point for that. Sark talked about the safety play, and he was asked about rotating safeties and really how has it affected Texas? How is rotating safeties, and I think they finally kind of found the right plays to get guys in and, and the right rotation to get guys in where they're not getting burned. It also helps to have a healthy D-line, a healthy linebacking core, and I think that the safeties are finally getting the confidence and the leaders on the field are getting the confidence to have the communication. But here's Stark talking about the safety rotation that's a little – A little unconventional for a lot of teams, but Sark
2: has got it and had success the last few weeks. He's going to need it again this week. Uh, From a safety perspective... You know, we do play a lot of safeties, and I think it's been really beneficial for us. I think the 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 rotations that we've been playing with on the defensive side of the ball is one of the reasons why we're able to play so well throughout the the stretch of a game. I know we had a little lull in there uh, where we've kind of relaxed some, but when you really watch us, especially at critical moments, our guys look fresh and they play physical. And so the safeties are no different than that. And, and we do have a, a good room there. I think Coach Gideon's done a really nice job with those guys of working with the communication aspect of it naturally you're going to have some of those guys that are a little better at communicating than another. It's just a, it's a skill set that maybe one guy has a little bit better than another. So we're always trying to make sure that we've got the right combination of guys out there that, that at minimum, we have one of those guys back there that is excellent at communicating. I think it is helpful that Jod A is a great communicator at nickel or at star and that Jalen Ford is a great communicator at linebacker, because if all those guys are on the same accord generally the other eight guys that are out there with them will be, will be all tied together as well.
1: And that's it, communication. Communication, the lack of there earlier this season, cost Texas many, many times. I think Jada Barron, when teams found the way to pull him off was play big packages and he was getting pulled off the field, hurt Texas because their safety rotation maybe didn't have the vocal leader in. Some injuries in the, sec- in the safety led so they didn't always have a vocal leader in. Now they're able to be a little bit healthier. They're having the vocal leaders to be able to stay on the field and help out. A. Barron is now being used many many more snaps. So he's being on the field, allowing the communication to prevail. Jalen Ford is feeling better. He's playing really well, gets the communication. You have the D-line to Vondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and the leaders down there. And with all that communication, it is helping this Texas team become the defense they are up front, a little bit further down the field. It's something they lacked early, but he nails on it there. I think they finally figured out the rotation of, we need to have certain guys, certain guys can't play together because they don't necessarily, neither one of them are communicators. So we need to have guys on the field, always we need to have one communicator and one kind of play caller, and we need the other guy who can be a really good uh, uh, safety back, who can be a really good uh, man, cover back, and, Can have speed, and we'll have another guy who can get you know be hands on and catch a be Johnny on the spot. To mix those safeties together and to get it to play that level and keep Johnny Barron on the field. I mean, I'll say I think he should have been first team All Big Twelve, but I think the reason he wasn't was because he was coming off the field too much early in the season. Not his own, not his own fault. He would have loved to stay on the field, but I think these are all things that Texas has going for them going forward, and they're going to need it against that little dinky attack that OSU may start pulling out against Texas to just try and move the ball, especially if the run game isn't really going. I don't think you're going to see a lot of shots downfield. You're going to see a lot of crosses and rub routes and everything else you can get in those little slants and anything you can get to get passes and just kind of pick away at Texas and get Mike Gundy to try and wear this team down. That's what they're going to do, but Texas' defensive line needs to start wearing Oklahoma State down and the game can swing pretty quickly. And then from that point on, it just goes over to Quinn and it goes into Quinn being able to play a better game. It's indoors this year. That three high, three down, he's seen more and more times. He's watched more tape on himself. I think that this Texas team is going to got a good, good shot to put up some good numbers against Oklahoma State. We'll be talking more about it. Uh, big show tomorrow. Big show tomorrow, uh, 4 to 7 p.m. tomorrow. We'll be doing a show. Aaron Hogan is going to be in uh, Dallas at Terry Black's barbecue in Dallas, hanging out with some of the Inside Texas guys and and Jerry Hamilton and Mike Craven. He's going to be going to hang out with all those guys uh, down in, and who knows who will pop up on the show tomorrow afternoon when he's got those guys on. We'll be doing four to seven. We'll see if Rod, we're hoping he's feeling better. Uh, If he's feeling better, he'll be on the show. If not, then, you know, we'll keep letting him get better. Uh, and then we're also going to be having an extended pregame show, 8am to 11am, getting you right up to kickoff. Uh, uh, Aaron is going to be at Jay Gilligan's in Arlington. They actually are going to have a shuttle that can take you, so if you want to go hang out with him, there's a shuttle. They have a big parking lot. They're going to shuttle you to the game, uh, to the Big 12 Championship game. We'll be doing that. And again, if Rod will be here, maybe. We may get a tie to show up. We may get some special guests on the phone. Who knows what we'll be doing, uh, but it's going to be a really fun time. We want to thank our sponsor, One Source Gas, who is our title sponsor, and One Source Gas is awesome for uh, supporting this. And our travel sponsor, uh, Hayes City Store, and uh, and uh, it's just really cool to be. We're going to be able to do this and bring you some more coverage. But we'll keep bringing you that four o'clock start time tomorrow. We'll get more into that. But let's get to Patrick's big fat poll of the day.
0: Patrick's big fat poll of the
1: day on the horn. All right, A couple of big fat polls for you today. This one is you make this may be nothing. This may be other teams play, and it may be something about the Longhorns. But the first one is, what are you most nervous about on Saturday? Can you say, I'm not nervous about anything? I think we're going to go win the Big 12 championship and let the cards fall where they may. We don't, you know, I'm not too worried about it. That may be what your situation is. It may be, I think Texas is going to handle it, but I don't think we're going to win big enough. It may be, I think Texas wins big, but it doesn't matter because all the favorites win, and there's four undefeated teams, and I don't know if we can jump into an undefeated. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's something of, I don't know, if Texas is going to be able to – I think Mike Gundy may have Texas' number. I don't know what you're – what are you nervous about? Is it the run game? Is Ollie Gordon? Are you worried about Ollie Gordon being able to run over Texas? Are you worried that they're going to be able to slant you to death? Are you worried about this Texas, this Texas offense and Quinn Ewers being confused by a three-up, three-down? Let me know. And I, I'm not saying that you should be worried about any of those. I'm just saying you could be. And I want to kind of judge – you guys were always my judge – about what you know, what I need to look more into and what we need to look at because what are you guys nervous about? What are you guys reading? What are you guys seeing? I always want to ask you guys, 512-447-3776, what are you most nervous about on Saturday? And then I'll also throw in, because we've been playing Jimi Hendrix all week on the show, we'll continue to do that today because it was his birthday or would have been his birthday on Monday. Who's your favorite guitar player of all time? Just a little fun one for the show. Who's your favorite guitar player of all time Throw that one in there, because I think it's Jimmy, maybe somebody's. I know Stevie's going to be on there a few times. There's a lot of good answers. Maybe, you know, we'll see some age differences <laughs> of who you guys are picking. But who's your favorite guitar player of all time? What are you nervous about on Saturday? 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Hit us up there. We're going to come back in just a few minutes, and we'll get into some more Texas talk. We'll get into some uh, Hook 'Em up sound and more of your text Coming up here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, M1260, the Horn app, and HornFM.com.
2: Patrick Davis
0: and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn. <laughs>
1: Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Playing Jimi Hendrix all week long because it was Jimmy's birthday on Monday. We ask you guys, who's your favorite guitar player of all time? You've been listening to Jimmy with me all week long. So who's your favorite guitar player of all time? And it's still on the text line asking you, what are you most nervous about on Saturday? 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Let's get to some of these texts Where I'm going to play the sound from Hook'em Up and E Robbie this morning. Uh, right guy from New Mexico says, what's up, man. You really need to start earlier. Just kidding. Excited for the new start time next week. Appreciate it. If you have not heard, we are moving to four to 6 PM starting Monday. We are doing the big show tomorrow, uh, with Ian Robbie, depending on Robbie's health, but Aaron Hogan will be in Dallas at Terry blacks and have special guests. That'll be four to seven though. So we'll be doing the three hour broadcast, uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, then starting Monday, December 4th, it will be four to 6 PM will be the new time For the sports complex, Rich Eisen playing for two hours before us and one hour after us. We're going to sandwich right in there in Rich Eisen. Uh, Texter says, question. Question I have is, uh, so I've been watching the SEC Network with Paul Weinbaum, and a lot of people are saying that if Alabama beats Georgia and Texas blows out Oklahoma State, that it could be Michigan, Texas, Alabama, Washington, and the college football playoffs. What are your thoughts? Florida State has to lose. I don't think they're going to knock Florida State out undefeated. I just don't think that'll happen uh and i don't know if georgia gets knocked out either it it becomes a lot more muddied in that situation it just becomes a lot more muddied in that situation i don't know i know that's kind of you know and it depends too if oregon beats washington which they're the favorite to do that too then washington gets knocked out and it's oregon in there but oregon or washington's probably going to be in uh michigan i assume they're going to beat iowa iowa so they'll be in Uh, And then there is a chance that Alabama beating Georgia could knock them out, and then you have the head-to-head, so you have to make it all. I don't see it happening. It could, but it could. I I don't know if that would happen. I think a lot of things would have to happen for that to be the case, and it would make me much more nervous going in, and you still also need Florida State to lose. You need Florida State to lose in that game. Uh, And the question I have is when Texas wins the Big 12 championship, who's going to give the the trophy? Surely not the commissioner with all the trash talking he did for Texas. That would be kind of awkward for him. Of course he's going to give it to him. And he'll say nice things. He knows what he's doing. He's a businessman. He's a salesman. He knows what he's doing. He's going to go out there. He'll say nice things. He'll shake his hand. And he'll walk away and just be like, cool, you're going. We're happy to give it to Texas. And they're representing. And they should be in the college football playoff. Because we would like one of our teams to be in the college football playoff. Because it means a better monetary split for everybody. And it means that the Big 12 looks good. Because the Big 12 doesn't have a lot of national champions. And Texas is one of them. So, you know, if you want to say, I I don't think that, I think that, uh, you know, he he knows what's best for business. He was in Austin, you know, being hosted by Texas for the Texas game, the Texas, Texas tech game. So he doesn't have, you know, it's not so fractured. He just got caught. Now that there's cameras everywhere, some of these guys are getting caught. This has always happened by the way. There's always been these things where someone goes to a booster meeting or whatever in whatever town and, and, you know, really hams it up for the, for the homes crowd that happens all the time. He got caught doing that. We know he's not a fan of Texas in Oklahoma State or in Oklahoma leaving. However, he he is going to hand it off. He's going to be in the spotlight because he, Brett Yormark, wants to be the guy. So he will be the guy handing it off for sure. Uh, This texter says the refs. I'm not as worried about the refs as many other people are, but... I understand. I understand the worry. I don't think this game should be close enough. The refs can swing it. And if they want to call every single play a pass interference and just move Oklahoma State down the field, then fine. And everybody will know what happened. And the Big Twelve will lose all respect from here on out. And all the officials will never be able to work in another conference. And like if you you can't call it that one sided, and Texas should be able to handle this Oklahoma State team. I get if it's close, it's a worry. I don't think it's been terrible. They're going to be able to hold. We know that. They're just not going to call holding penalties. But I don't think it's been. It hasn't stopped Texas from being 11-1. And the one team we, that we lost to was also leaving the Big 12. So I, I think that Texas should be okay. I, I get the worry, but I think that's pre-excuse making rather than confidence in your team. All right, I want to play this sound from Hook'em Up with Ian B talking more about the college football playoffs. And if the same, your question you just asked about if Georgia is a, if this is a, uh, uh, Georgia could get knocked out if this is a must win for Georgia all dressed here and uh hook him up sound from this morning
3: Georgia plays Alabama uh Sunday Saturday afternoon three o'clock in the Georgia Dome there in Atlanta and you had a, a pretty compelling Nick Saban stat on that
0: yeah I don't know how this makes me feel but Nick Saban is 10 and 1 this is from Peter Burns ESPN Nick Saban is 10 and 1 in SEC championships Saban has won 16 straight games in Atlanta and he is also undefeated in Mercedes-Benz Stadium at seven and zero. So I don't, I, I don't know how that makes me feel because I, I can't, I can't decide if I want Alabama to beat Georgia or if I want Georgia just to take care of business because you know you think about the for Texas it's you know the the quality of their win then Alabama becomes that much better. But I also I, I know you don't buy into the two SEC teams, but I, I could totally see the committees. Bumping, bumping somebody out and saying Alabama and Georgia get in, and I understand where they're coming from with that.
3: Well, and I heard that debate quite a bit yesterday. As a matter of fact, we, we had it yesterday, and my contention is there won't be two teams from any conference this year. Uh, I, I firmly believe that. And my argument would be this. Yes, if, if, if Alabama beats Georgia, uh, it, it, to me it further buoys Texas' case. It does. It, point of fact. <laughs> it's You've got to go on the facts at that point. Uh, Texas beat Alabama by 10 points. Uh, in Tuscaloosa. If Alabama then beats Georgia. Look look by the way who who are the Georgia heavyweight wins this year?
0: That's what I was actually just looking at cuz I mean, I Georgia's heavy,
3: Georgia's best win is Missouri in Athens this year, right? Uh they beat Tennessee who was down this year. Uh they beat Florida. I mean, who is who is Georgia's best win? Oh, oh miss is their best win. Okay. That number, and they won 52-17. But I
0: yeah, I agree. Like they and I think and, and even I I'm just as guilty of it. I just in my head have considered them Easily the greatest team in college football,
3: just because they've been pasting people. But, but this is but this is their play-in game. I mean, yeah. to me, you have to consider this a play-in game. And if Georgia doesn't win it, they're out. I mean, that that would be. And here's why. And here's why. Uh, they wouldn't be a conference champion, uh, Nick. Uh, the conference championship data point and that 12th win is going to be a huge factor in my opinion, uh, because Texas has a chance to be a conference champion in a 12 win season. Oregon has a chance, even if they have a loss, that they were a conference champion in the Pac-12, which was a very good conference this year. You know, Texas Big 12 champion. If George is not even a conference champion, um, I'm not seeing it. Now, if they want to put him in over Florida State and include Texas and Alabama, because uh, yeah, Alabama's the SEC champion at that point, uh, they're in. Uh, I don't know where they seed them all, but they're in. Uh, Texas is in as the Big 12 champ if they win. Uh, Oregon or Washington are in as the Pac-12 champ, and then you can decide you can you, if you want to go ahead and, and not put the ACC champion in. I mean, Michigan's in too, obviously. So you know, I, no, I, I think the conference championship and the 12th win would be a big data point in that conversation uh, for the committee. And I look at it's it's not a it's not a, a situation the committee wants. I mean, it's going to be a mess because the Georgia fans are going to be howling. Uh, you know, we won 29 straight games. We're 29 of our last 30 games. We're not in. We're not one of the four best teams. But you're not even a conference champion, and you didn't win your biggest game. You've got to because because Alabama's win would avenge their loss because t- to to lose to Texas, you know, doesn't look like that, that bad of a loss right now. Right. Texas at number six or seven in the country. And, you know, so they, they beat you. But you then turn around and beat Georgia. So that puts you in. That drops Georgia out. Georgia's got to win this game. I don't care what happened in the last three years. I really don't. Yeah. But what's happened this year. Is what's going to count going in. Well, I I just so you
0: know, I 100% agree with you and everything you're saying and my issue with it is you are using logic and your logic checks out and it's completely right in my opinion and and that's what should be done. But I also this committee has proven week in and week out that logic doesn't matter, that that, that the only thing that matters to them are these big sexy wins that's what they want and that's what georgia's done most of the year granted they slipped a little against georgia tech but and and maybe missouri but they they've pasted people and so did oregon and they fall in love with these teams and texas we have this reputation as a team that's squeaking by right like instead of the the rhetoric being texas lost their you know, their incredible running back, Jonathan Brooks, and they won two games with a backup quarterback who'd never really even played in a game. Instead of getting credit for that, it was like, well, they squeaked by a, a you know a, a higher-ranked Kansas State team with a backup quarterback. So it's just, I, I agree with you 100%, but I have zero faith in this committee, especially when they, you know, like paraded boo Corrigan out there talking about Bo Nicks. if the fact that that is in his head that completion percentage is in his head shows me that they they're in love with that and george has done that
3: so i i don't know man i hope i hope you're correct i just think this is an outlier of a year we haven't never had a year where eight teams have a look on the final weekend never yeah and meaning eight teams have a look and they they have to be considered so you have to consider every data point all the way down to conference of champion. Conference champions need to be in because starting next year, next year you're going to a model that's a 12 team model, but you're guaranteeing the the final the, the power four conference champions are in. The, and so this year you set that precedent. You can't you you can't drop a conference champion out and put in a play a team that lost their conference championship game. I don't care. Just rem, just remove the head the hamlets and who they are. Just say that. I I, I agree. Remove that and just <laughs> use the logic of it. That if you didn't win your conference championship this year, you're not going to be qualified. Last year you could because you know, there weren't enough, and Ohio State jumped in there. Um, you know, TCU jumped in there. I mean, they, last year was an outlier the other way. Where a couple of not not conference champions got in, uh, which was bizarre. Uh, but we'll look, we'll see, and that we'll see if, this weekend if if all of a sudden there's a, there's all kinds of chaos. Well, then they've got some real decisions to make. Uh, but point of fact, if, if if that's true in Alabama, look, Alabama nearly lost to Auburn last week. Yep. I mean, on a, a desperation fourth down hail mary play. Uh, they don't win that game. We're not even talking about Alabama, but they could still upset Georgia. Georgia's got to win this game. Yeah. Uh, and Georgia needs Georgia fans need to know that going into it. Because uh, I do think – because Washington – I said this all day yesterday. Georgia-Alabama's a play-in game. Alabama-Washington – or Washington-Oregon's a play-in game. Uh, for Texas, it's a win-and-give-yourself-the-opportunity game. I also think Florida State, the same thing. If they win, they're playing in. They're putting themselves in, even though people will object to them being there with a backup quarterback. If you're thirteen 13-0 conference champion out of the ACC – I don't know how they keep you out, Michigan. The same thing, undefeated out of the Big Ten. Uh, it's that it's it's razor close, but I think that would put Georgia at five outside the window. I, I just think they they have this love affair with
0: it's it's blue bloods who have been strong recently, and they there is this un un this unpublished data point of you've been really good recently, or you've been undefeated, or you've won this many conference championships recently, and they're getting credit for that, which I think is the biggest pile of garbage because w- things should be based on this year. Not on your history, not on what you've done in the past, not on you know who your coach is, not any of that. It's what you've done on the field, and it's your resume. And if we actually go on resume, which is what they say, there is zero argument for keeping Texas out of this Final Four if they win their game on Saturday.
1: Good stuff there from hook him Up uh, today and uh, good stuff. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, text line 512-447-3776. What makes you most nervous about – what are you most nervous about on Saturday? And who is your favorite guitar player of all time? Because we've been playing Jimi Hendrix all week. Send those in. And uh, if you got any questions or comments or your theory on Texas in the uh, the college wall playoffs and what they need to do to get there, send that in too. And uh, we'll get back to your text when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.
0: The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn.
1: Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Playing some Jimi Hendrix for you all week long. Running a little late, so we're going to take a couple texts and then we will get to the break and we'll start reading texts here in the 6 o'clock. Also in the 6 o'clock, we'll talk some NFL Cowboys play tonight. We'll also have some Texas, Texas State talk as Texas takes on their next opponent in basketball. We'll get to all of that here on the Sports Complex call coming up. Uh, Texter says... Is Arch really going to transfer if Quinn stays? I appreciate you listening. First text I get from you, I appreciate you listening. It is clickbait. Uh, That none of that seems to there is no validity from any real source, any verifiable good source uh, that I've seen or heard or anybody I know that has any say in anything. Nobody thinks that's happening. It is a clickbait because other teams would like to have Arch Manning. Is what I've been hearing. That is, that is the majority of what I've been hearing is it is just clickbait and it's not real. I mean, and we want to talk about the relationship Quinn and Arch have that apparently when, before Arch came into the game when they knew when Quinn was told he was getting pulled and Arch was coming in, he went over to Arch and told him, hey, man, th- this place is about to go nuts for you. And Arch's like, really? And he goes, yeah, this place is about to go crazy for you. They're happy for you. And, so, and I think Quinn knew it because when Quinn transferred, people were pumped to see Quinn here. And, and so I think he knows – uh, he's been, Quinn kind of went through that thing too. So he's a good mentor in, you know, getting over that part. And, and I think there's a lot of good stuff that can come out of it. If Quinn does stay and we don't, we won't know until, you know, January is when we'll know most likely, uh, Carrie from Georgetown says, uh, for the question of who is the, uh, who's your favorite guitar player, Cassandra and Mike Myers. Uh, that is uh from a Wayne's world reference, I believe a solid Wayne for world's reference. The band, do you know this one, Carrie from Georgetown? Do you know the band name from Wayne's World? It is not just Cassandra. It's Cassandra's the, the woman. Tia Carrera's Cassandra. Uh, Crucial Taunt. Crucial Taunt is the band name from Wayne's World. Uh, just to give you some terrible information that's going to stick in your mind now, and uh, there's no need to have it. Uh, WPI Parts, guys, is all I can say, that it's a fun freaking time to be a Longhorn. There is ways to wear the burn orange sometimes defiantly, Sometimes confidently, sometimes boastful, but right now I wear my burnt orange Texas Strong hook'em. It says, uh, plus we just got to dominate and let the chips fall where they may. Favorite guitar player, Zach Wild. I actually got to see Zach Wild playing Jimi Hendrix a year ago, I guess, uh, at, at Moody Theater. It was very cool, and he walked across everywhere, and he was killing it. But yeah, Zach Wild, awesome guitar player. Very awesome. Playing with Pantera now, too. Just Just checking off all the boxes of a cool guy. I went him on a golf cart, and it was very awkward. It was at a Ozfest, and he was just riding by on the back of a golf cart. It just looked very out of place to see the guy, huge beard, long hair, all the leather, just sitting just hugely on the back of a golf cart. All right we got to take a break. We get to the top of the hour. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get into more of your text 512-447-3776. What are you most nervous about on Saturday? Who's your favorite guitar player of all time is what we're asking you. We'll get into some Texas basketball talk, some Cowboys talk, and uh, whatever else we get into here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.